today's episode, we are continuing the conversation on the prison of people pleasing. So here's the question. Who taught you how to recognize people pleasing? All right, who taught you how to recognize people pleasing? Um, I'm your host, Clifton Brantley. And uh, man, so this has been a, a, a an interesting journey for me going through this people pleasing stuff all over again. Uh, I think I did this at the beginning of my career, uh, right when I first became a therapist, because I went through my own you know, therapy process. And so uh, this is me coming back around. And man, it's been really interesting. But yeah, who taught you how to recognize people pleasing? I believe that people pleasing is the most life sabotaging mind disease we humans deal with. The best way for you to become better is to first determine the issue are issues that are keeping you from being better, right? So although I don't have research, based on what I know about people-pleasing, i.e. codependence, I believe the majority of the world suffers from this disease at some level, right? I don't believe everybody has it at the same level, same magnitude, but I do believe the majority of the world if not the world, definitely this culture suffers from this people-pleasing disease. So let me paint a picture. Let me let me paint a picture for you to help you understand um, more about like how how people-pleasing and codependence um, how it all works together. So I just I thought of this. So imagine a big tree with roots with deep roots, many branches with fruit. Okay, you got you got a big tree with deep roots and it has many branches with a lot of fruit on it, right? So in this picture, the roots represent the disease of codependence. Okay. The tree itself represents people pleasing. And then the fruit that's on the tree, that would represent all of the ways that codependence produces people-pleasing fruit that pe- that keep people trapped in this prison of pride. Well, I didn't know I, <laughs> I didn't know I had that many peas in that presentation of my perception of people-pleasing. I just did that intentionally, right? Uh, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. The fruit represents all of the ways that codependence, codependence produces people-pleasing fruit that keep people trapped in this prison of pride. Now that may sound fancy or whatever, but I'm really going to try to be as easy to understand as I can, because I need you to get this information. I'm not just trying to sound fancy. I really need you to get this information, right? So the reality is some of you are miserable. Some of you are miserable trying to be everything to everybody, right? You may feel like running away. You may feel like, man, I, I want to get out of here. Like, I just wish I can, like, where's the cow gun when you need it? You may feel like you want to run away. You may feel like you don't have a voice, right? Living the life of a people pleaser is hard. Trust me. I know, right? I'm not only the hair club president. I'm also a client. Like I've been there. 
So today I want to talk more about the psychological term for people pleasing, which is codependence, right? Because I believe talking about codependence specifically will help you get a better idea of people pleasing overall. So here's another question. Where does codependence come from? Right. Like how how do we if you say it's a disease, where does it come from? In a nutshell, it comes from issues in your childhood. It it comes from issues in your childhood. Um, Codependence is not developed really in 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 adulthood. Right. So so that's important to know, because uh, people pleasing or the fruit of people pleasing may not show up. Um, or may not be noticeable until you're an adult. But the roots, they go back to childhood. Now, I know some of you are not into childhood work. I get that, right? Some of you may think that your childhood was great. And then others may think, like, childhood stuff don't matter at all. If that's you, then what I ask is that you listen for your friends and loved ones. Because I am sure, I am more than sure that you know someone suffering with this disease and you may be the help that they need. So if you listen for them, maybe you can, you know, give them some information or point them to the podcast, you know. So don't tune out just because, you know, you're not with that child childhood work stuff. Okay. Codependence is the result of dysfunctional, less than nurturing family systems. Okay, Uh, dysfunctional, less than nurturing family systems. This dysfunctional way of raising children is not always intentional. As a matter of fact, I would say that most times it's not intentional, right? Most parents, and, and really I guess I'm talking about the good parents, but most parents are trying to do the right thing in raising their child, but they are ignorant to what really truly produces a healthy adult, right? Now, the biggest childhood issue that contributes to codependence, which produces the behavior of people-pleasing, the biggest contributor to codependence is emotional neglect. Emotional neglect. Emotional neglect is the most common way we are harmed in childhood because it is so easy to do. Like, it's easy. It's easy to emotionally neglect a child, but it's also easy for a child to perceive like their, their perception could be off, but it's easy for them to perceive or determine that they're being neglected. Now that would, that won't be the language in their head. Right. So I'm not saying that, um, but they would feel the effects of it personally. So personally, like for me, I experienced emotional neglect as a child. And I know for sure my mother has no idea that that was my reality, nor would she believe me if I told her. Right. If my if I told my mom, you know, mom, um, I experienced a lot of emotional neglect going on. She's not going to believe me. Mm -mm. Which which, by the way, let me say this. If you have issues with your childhood, confronting your parents is probably not the best idea. Right. Uh, I do believe that every now and then there is a situation or two where you may want to, you know, 
talk to your parents about what happened in your childhood. But for the most part, I would encourage you not to do that. I mean, unless, of course, if you're my child, right? If, if, if you're my child, then that's different because, like, I've gone through my own journey and I'm a therapist. So I understand that my children may need clarity or an apology on some things that they experienced in their childhood. So I'm open to that, right? But trust me, I, most, most parents are not. They're not, right? They had a completely different experience. And if they know they messed up, they're going to deny it because they don't want to be reminded of how much they messed up, especially if they love you. The thing is, all parents do what they know how to do. But, but you know, talking about my mom, I know that my mom never meant to hurt me. I know that for sure, right? And then when I became a parent, I was much better than my parents were, right? However, when I learned that children need a lot more emotional support than most people think, my kids were already grown, and I was a therapist. And so the point that I'm making is when I learned that my children needed more from me emotionally, they weren't children anymore. They were adults. And so um, I, I missed I missed I missed that. Like I, I did what I knew how to do, but I dropped it. Right. I dropped the ball based on what I know now. I'm sure my children experienced emotional neglect. I'm sure they did. If I had known better, I would have done better. Right. But I mean, nobody told me. Nobody told me like nobody. I didn't. I did not know. All right. Uh, and so what I'm telling you is that children need way more from parents than we give them, particularly in those early years. Right. In those early years. Now, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but but uh, let me say this. Today's family. Like today's family is not the family of old that could raise four, five, six, ten children and they all be emotionally healthy. Right. Uh, back in the day. And, I, and when I say back in the day, I don't have a time frame. So I'm not necessarily talking about the 70s, 60s, 54. I'm just saying there was a time. There was a time when the wife primarily stayed home with the children. And so then that meant that she could pour more into the children or she can pour into the children differently. Right. These days, wives are working as much as the husband. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the reality. Right. Children are often deeply loved, but they do not have the priority that they need. Like they they just don't. Now, I know that most good parents who are listening to me would not agree that their children are not top priority. I mean, I, I get that. But but the reason you would think that is because you don't understand that the emotional nurturing that a child needs in those first eight years of life is way more than what you're giving. All right. And and let me say this. When I say that, I'm not talking about like coddling. Like I'm not I'm not talking about, um, you know, just letting your kid get. I believe in discipline to this day. Right. Um, what I've learned about people pleasing and, and emotional neglect of children hasn't changed my beliefs on discipline. Now, it has affected the way I believe parents should discipline. But that's a whole nother rabbit hole. I'm not I'm not going to go down that one because then I might get stuck. 
But think about this. When a child is new to the planet, they don't know anything at all, right? Everything they learn, they learn once they get here. So if you as a grown person are still learning things, and some of those things are simple things that you may feel like you should have known long time ago. But if you as an adult are still learning things, how much more understanding does a six-year-old child need to understand their world, right? Their little minds are so fragile. But because, watch this, because they are great, children are great at, uh, at this. So because children are great at modeling what they see, you may see them behaving maturely, but that doesn't mean that they are mature. That's why I say one of the most harmful things, one of the most harmful things that a parent can say to a child is, you know better than that. Now, I, your, your, your mouth probably dropped because I know you probably say that all the time, don't you? Not Johnny, why you do that? You know better than that. Why is it harmful? The reason it's harmful is because they don't know better than that. Right? Most of the times they don't. Just because you told them or just because they can recite a poem or just because they can, you know, do just because they can follow directions does not mean that their little mind understands life the way that you do. Okay? So, so yeah, they may can do the behavior, but maturity is about understanding. They don't understand what they're doing. So when you have to repeat yourself over and over and over, it's because they don't understand. That's a part of parenting. And the point that I'm making is just because you love your child does not mean that you are raising them in a way that is not harmful. It doesn't mean that. But it also means that you were more than likely raised this way also. Why? Because you were a child at one point, right? You, you used to be a child. And let me tell you something else about young children, right? Which again, you, you were a child before, but children are egocentric. Children are egocentric. What does that mean? That means that they believe the world revolves around them, right? Like they can't process the world any other kind of way. That's their little minds. They are the center of the world. Everything in their world either happens to them or it is caused by them as far as they understand. Right. So here's how a child thinks. If my mom is in a good mood, the child will think I did that. Right. But in the same way, if mom is in a bad mood, the child will think I did that. OK, let me give you another example of how how children don't understand the way you think they do, right? And the reason I say that is because when you think about it, yeah, you know that, but usually we don't parent from a conscious place. We parent from an unconscious place. So Lajani, who is three, um, has a brother who is four, right? So the four-year-old understands that he has a brother, but the four-year-old does not understand that Johnny has a brother. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, and I'm just demonstrating how, how your child may not know what you think they know. So if a parent yells at a, yells at a child, 
guess who the child blames? Themselves. Because guess what else? They have no idea. They have no idea why they are so bad to make you yell at them. And so they determine something must be wrong with me. And that then is the birthplace of codependence. The belief that something is wrong with me. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Right. And then from there, uh, that's where all the people pleasing uh, behaviors and habits come from. Uh, But you may be wondering. If that's how childhood happens in the first eight years of life, then how is it that I'm at I'm 35 and still feeling not good enough? Well, that's because so so those first eight years of the child's mind is what I call malleable, right? Uh, they're soaking up, they're trying to get their identity. How does how do things operate on this planet? And that's when they're very egocentric, egocentric, right? In those first eight years, a lot of things usually happen to make them question who they are, their value, and all those things. After that time, really between the ages of eight and ten, the child will make a conclusion about who they are. And it becomes like hardwired, right? It becomes a subconscious belief. And so then it is from that place, the place of not the place of feeling not good enough, where they will live the rest of their lives. But think about this. I always use like a five-year-old to do this example. But if a child gets injured at five, whether it's abuse or whether it's emotional neglect or whatever. But if the child at five years old concludes they are not good enough, what's after the conclusion? Nothing. A conclusion is the end. So there's nothing after the conclusion. But then, more importantly, what does a five-year-old know about life? And what does a five-year-old know about a 35-year-old life? Nothing. So this five-year-old has made a conclusion about the 35-year-old's life. And so the 35-year-old still carrying around this subconscious belief that I'm not good enough. And so I have to perform for people so that they'll accept me. That's people-pleasing. See, people-pleasers behave the way they do because of subconscious beliefs from childhood. And the thing about a belief is you can't just change it because you want to. Right. You have to do the work. You have to replace it. Right. And your life. A lot of people think, you know, we're we're logical creatures. We're not logical creatures. We are emotional creatures. We are subconscious creatures. The majority of your life. Most of the things that you do, you do at the subconscious level. As a matter of fact, if you're going to be successful at anything in life, you got to bring you got to. How can I say subdue? if that's for lack of a better word, subdue your subconscious and live more at the conscious level, right? You have to consciously be pursuing success, consciously be pursuing a good marriage, consciously pursue being a better wife or husband, consciously pursue how can I be the best me? Because at the subconscious level, I promise you, you'll never do that. It won't happen. Mm -mm. So, uh, Pia Melody, who is the author of, um, of one of my favorite books, Facing Codependence, Pia Melody said that there are five core symptoms of codependence. Okay, let me give them to you. They are, uh, number one, difficulty experiencing appropriate levels of self-esteem. Number two, setting functional boundaries. Number three, owning and expressing 
their their own reality. All right. Number four, taking care of their adult needs and wants. And then number five, experiencing and expressing their reality moderately. Right. Those are the five. uh, She says those are five core symptoms of of um, of codependence. Now, I'm not going to go into all five of these. okay? but I do. I do strongly encourage you to get the book Facing Codependence. Okay, I strongly encourage you to do that. So uh, I really I want to talk about the first two, like in this episode. And, and I'm not going to say that there's going to be a part three. But if I do this again later, then maybe I'll cover some of the the others. But I'm just going to address the first two. So what is self-esteem? Self-esteem is the internal experience of one's own value as a person. OK, how you see yourself, what you believe about you and your value. Your value is tied to you being a person that's alive. Right. And here's the thing. It comes from the inside of a person and moves outside into relationships. OK, so self-esteem is developed on the inside of you. Now, how do we learn to esteem ourselves? Because, you know, I said earlier, when you come to the planet, we come we don't know anything. We don't think about self esteem or anything else. Right. So where do we learn to esteem ourselves from our parents or primary caregivers. Yeah. The children who develop codependence, they receive messages in childhood that they were uh, less than or not good enough. Right. Uh, and, and, and I just showed you how easy it is for a child to conclude that they are not good enough. Right. So then these messages become a part of the child's own opinion of themselves. Right. And that's the whole becoming a subconscious belief that I was talking about. Now, as an adult, codependents typically don't have self-esteem. They typically have what we call other esteem. What is other esteem? Other esteem is based on uh, what they do instead of who they are. So so their value of themselves is based on how they look. Right. How much money they have, who they know how many degrees they have, uh, what kind of car they drive, and so on, right? This is why they can never be content because they need things on the outside of them to be good so that they can be good on the inside, right? You understand what I'm saying? Like they need whatever they've attached their value to. They need things on the outside of them to be good so that then on the inside, they can feel good. The problem is they cannot control anything on the outside of them. You, you cannot control anything on the outside of you. So, so if your value is in your money, what's going to happen when you lose it? That's why so many people work so hard to get, I've had, I've had several athletes or I guess it's still athletes, but former pro athletes, come to see me and their main issue is identity. And they recognize that, Hey, for all my life, I've tied, I've, I've, um, connected my identity with my achievement and my money. But now that I'm not making the money, I don't know who I am. Right. That's called other esteem. Um, now the issue of boundaries, the issue of boundaries 
is a huge issue because um, without appropriate ba- without without appropriate boundaries, you cannot know who you are. Like you won't know who you are without boundaries. Boundaries help you determine what is me and what is not me. And people people mistakenly think that boundaries are for other people. No, no, boundaries are for you. Like when I tell someone they don't have boundaries, I'm not saying, you know, you're letting people run over you. I'm saying you're taking responsibility for things that's not your responsibility. Right. People pleasers have boundary issues, which is why they are always taking responsibility for other people, for other people's emotions and and lives in general. Really like uh, people pleasers will the reason they act the way they act is because they're making themselves responsible for how someone else feels. I'm not going to say that because that's going to hurt their feelings. I'm not going to say no, because then they'll look at me a certain way. Right. It's the fear of rejection that I talked about in the last in the last episode. And I remember when I went to therapy and she told me uh, to read the boundaries book by by Townsend and Cloud. Man, let me tell you, I read that book and um, talk about eye opening. So facing codependence was my first eye opening book on this journey. But boundaries was the second one. And the thing about the boundaries book all my life. Why did you know? It just popped in my head. Um, Oprah Winfrey. All my life I had to fight. That's not what I was going to say though. But it just popped in my head. But all my life, I thought that I was being a good Christian. But when I read the Boundaries book, what I realized was I was a boundaryless Christian. And the thing about it, the book shows you with evidence of how you are me, you know, it was me, but how without boundaries, you're operating in a way that God don't even operate. Like God has boundaries over and over in scripture. God says, if you do this, I'll do that. If you don't do this, then I'm going to do that. Right. God, God. And, and so, you know, uh, I was talking to someone last week and they were like, you know, uh, Outside of my partner, like 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 other folk, I don't really care about them. But my partner, I'll do anything for him. Like like you know whatever it takes. And I said uh, that's ungodly and unhealthy, right? You you should not be at the place where you'll do any and everything for anybody. You got to have some boundaries. So anyway, so what's clu- what what is included in your boundaries? Everything inside of you. Right. Not just physically, like, yeah, your body, all your organs and everything, all that. All that's your responsibility. That's within your boundaries. But also the non-physical stuff as well. What non-physical stuff like your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, your values, your habits, your likes and dislikes. All of that is your responsibility. That's within your boundaries. But riddle me this, Batman. If you are responsible for what is in your boundary, then shouldn't everybody else be responsible for what is in their boundary? Right. See, codependents make it make other people their responsibility while neglecting their own needs. Now, don't do that. (laughs) Right. The reason that the Bible calls uh, people pleasing the fear of man 
is because you're afraid of what people will think of you if you do not if you do not behave in a way that is acceptable to them. I call that a mind prison, right? That's that's a prison. If the only way that you can be accepted by people is to be who they want you to be instead of who God made you to be. If you if you if you sign up for that, you are you have the key, you put it in the lock, you open the prison door and you shut it behind you. Now the key's still in your pocket, but you're in prison. Right? And what I'm trying to do is trying to help you take the key out your pocket, get out of this cell so that you can live free. Listen, if you live your life from a place of fear, then you cannot, I didn't say will not, I didn't say may not, you cannot live from a place of love. It's not possible. And because that's so powerful, I'm going to say it again. If you live your life from a place of fear, then you cannot live from a place of love. So what that means is if you're living from a place of fear, you are going to consistently hurt the people around you trying to get love from them and trying to love them because your love is conditional, right? Your love is based on how you feel and what you are getting from them and what you're getting from them is approval. So if you're not getting their approval, your love is going to be tainted because either you're going to withdraw or you're going to increase your efforts to impress them to get the love from them that you want. But then it ain't love if you're controlling them. And the reason. Yeah, the reason that you cannot let people love you for who you are is because you don't know who you are. You've spent so much time tending to things on the outside of you that you don't know how to tend to what's going on inside of you. Like, do you get that? You spent your life, you spent so much time tending things, tending to things on the outside of you that you don't know how to tend to your own emotions, your own needs, your own wants. You don't speak up for yourself, right? You are easily manipulated. Why? Because I got boundary issues and I'm focused more on the outside than the inside. And like I said in the last episode, uh, people pleasing is not rooted in love, right? It's rooted in pride. It's rooted in fear and pride. Do you know why the Bible says that pride goes before destruction? It's because when you walk in pride, you don't know it, right? Pride dresses itself up to look like righteousness, and I told you what pride was in the last episode, but let me just tell you again. Pride is when you focus on self. See, love is not about you. Love is about the people you are loving or the person you're loving. But pride is about you. Pride is about my needs, my wants, my hurts, my desires. You can't walk in love and pride at the same time. The Bible also says that God resists the proud. Like, think about that. Think about what I just said. The God of the universe resists you if you're prideful. Like, I know there are obstacles in life and, you know, uh, your, your spouse may resist you and, you know, come against you. Uh, so to resist means to, like, you know, yeah, put up a wall. Let's let's say that. Uh, but your spouse, your children, uh, you can get over that. But if if God 
resist you? Like how 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 are you gonna how are you gonna do anything? Right? The Bible says that God resists the proud, but watch this. It says, but he gives favor to the humble. So when you have when you walk in humility, you get God's favor. Yeah. So uh so let's let's look at some some patterns. Let's look at some patterns of codependence, right? Uh, so here are some denial pa- denial patterns for codependence, right? This den- call these denial patterns. Um, so codependents have difficulty identifying what they are feeling. Uh, another one: they minimize, alter, or deny how they truly feel. They perceive themselves as completely unselfish and dedicated to the well-being of others meaning they, they trick themselves, right? Uh, they label others with their own negative traits. Like they pro- whatever negative traits they have, people pleasers or codependents will project that onto other people, okay? Uh, they think they can take care of themselves without any help from others. See, they've convinced themselves that I'll be there for y'all, but I don't really need anybody here for me. And they're lying because secretly they really want someone to be there for them. Right. I've lived that. They, they secretly want someone to care, but they act like, no, I'm good. Like I can handle it. You can't. Uh, here's another denial pattern. They express negativity or aggression in indirect and passive ways. Now, I know I used to do that. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I don't know if it's connected to people pleasing, but I, I, I'm still growing in that area. Now, I don't I don't like that. So I'm trying to definitely be better, be better at that. Uh, here's another one. They don't recognize the unavailability of those people to whom they are attracted. Wow. Right. Did, did, codependents don't recognize that the people they're attracted to are unavailable. Now, that one, when I was trapped in codependence, so when I first learned about this whole thing, like I said, I was 43, I look back over my life, I can see this for sure. It, countless women I went after who were unavailable. Emotionally, I'm not talking about they was, you know, dating somebody. I don't mean they was in a relationship, but I mean, like, they were not emotionally available. Why do you, so that is a clear sign of emotional neglect, because here's what the human mind will do. It will gravitate to what's familiar, even if it's dysfunctional. That's crazy to me, but that's 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 a human being. It will gravitate. The mind will gravitate to what's familiar, even when it's dysfunctional. So if you grew up in emotional neglect, you don't heal that. You are subconsciously going to be attracted to people who are actually not available. And the reason and so then if if, if they let you in, but they're not even available, you're going to get manipulated. You're going to get emotionally abused. But and, and but it's not because they are bad people. It's because of how much effort you are going to put into trying to get them to like you, trying to get them to be available, not recognizing they got their own emotional issues, which is probably why they're not available. Can you see how this is a prison? Right. I hope I'm making that clear. Right. Now, let's look at some of the uh, low self-esteem patterns. All right. Here's some of the low self-esteem patterns. Um, when a codependent has low self-esteem, it's connected to some of these things. So uh, they have difficulty making decisions. They judge what they think, say and do harshly. And they and they they, they say it is never good enough. 
they're embarrassed to receive recognition, praise, or gifts. You know, I got people who 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 think that it's humility that makes them. Uh, no, you ain't got to do nothing for me. You know, oh, you don't have to praise me. No, I don't need the spotlight. I don't need no recognition. Um, when the reality is, it is human nature to 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 want appreciation. It's human nature to want to be seen. Why do you think children act the way they do? Always dancing in front of you, and if that don't work, I get in trouble, right? But codependents are embarrassed to receive recognition, praise, or gifts. It's because of how they see themselves. Uh, they value others' approval of their thinking, feeling. Um, uh, they, they value others' approval of their thinking, feelings, and behavior over their own approval. Like, they value what someone else say about them than what they say about themselves. Or, watch this, this ain't this this not a part of the, you know, what I got from the website. And I'll tell you about the website in a minute. But uh, they value, uh, let me say it this way. They value the approval of other human beings about themselves more than they value themselves or God's approval. Isn't that powerful? Uh, they, they do not perceive themselves as lovable or worthwhile persons, right? Then I'm, you know, it's not that much about me. Uh, it's hard being around people for an extended amount of time who don't like themselves, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, I heard someone say, I think it was on Instagram somewhere. Uh, I watch, I think it was a young lady. She said, I watch how folk treat themselves because like, if you don't treat you well, then I'm not going to get with you for you to mistreat me too. Like, if you can't treat you good, then I don't know. No, I'm not signing up for that. That's I, I that's that's I believe that's wisdom, right? Uh, low self-esteem patterns. They seek recognition and praise to overcome feeling less than. Right? They they seek recognition and praise, not like they seek it, but it's, they're trying to overcome the feeling of less than. Right now, I'm not so all of these patterns. It's not like everything that I'm listing, every codependent have, right? I'm just, these are some of the things that, you know, like you may have some of these symptoms, you may not have all of them, right? Some of them are contradictory. You may have one or the other, but I'm just saying these are some of the uh, codependent patterns. They have difficulty admitting a mistake. Man, that's a tough one. Like, and that, so that's, that's, that to me, that's crazy, right? Like, you know, you're not perfect. You know, you're not God, but you always get upset when someone point out something they don't like. Like, well, you just admit, you know you're not perfect. But anyway, they have difficulty admitting when they've made a mistake. So what they do instead, they will defend themselves to no end. They'll explain away, um, you know, yeah. So um, they need to appear to be right in the eyes of others. And they may even lie to look good. Now, when I was younger, like in my early 20s, I know I did this, Right. Uh, I wasn't a you know lie for no reason, but I would lie to you know get what I get what I wanted, right? And I let you fill in the blank of whatever that is. Uh, they are unable to identify or ask for what they need or want, like they they can't ask for their needs to be met. Codependents also have trouble setting healthy priorities and healthy boundaries, right? We talked about that. Um, there's another one, control patterns, but I'm not going to go through that. So you can read more about these patterns on the 
Codependence Anonymous website, which is coda.org, C-O-D-A.org. Now, uh, I didn't think about, uh, let me let me share this with you. This must be a serious thing if they have a whole like website and ter- like Codependence Anonymous, you know, that's like Alcoholic Anonymous, but it's Codependence. Yeah, that's how serious it is. So don't take this lightly. Listen, if you are suffering from codependence or you know someone who may be suffering, please get help. Right. I'm telling you, it's not a small thing. While you're in it, you may not know that. I mean, while you're in it, you may know that something is off. But you may not be aware of how serious it is. So take my word from it. Someone who has overcome it, you know, or has dealt with it. um, Like I did not realize how serious it was until after I was out of it. It's like, you know, like sometimes clients come in my office after an abusive relationship and they telling me about the relationship and it's like the light didn't come on until they was out of it right so maybe that's a human thing but that's definitely true with with with, um, with codependence right and for me to be honest preparing these two episodes have made me realize that some of my current frustrations about life and people may be due to this people pleasing demon I, I, it may not it may not be a demon but it sounded good, right? We blame everything on, on the enemy and demons. Right? Is people pleasing demon? I don't know. But anyway, man, until next time, take care of yourself. And I pray God's most ridiculous blessings over your life. <laughs>